Well done, Steve. Even when he's not here, he's here. All right, my name's Royce Aldred, as you heard. There you go. Hey, anybody else want to say hello? <laughs> as you heard, my wife spoke last week, and so she was probably main course, and you're about to have dessert. Um, tastes sweet, but it's not as good for you. Um, <laughs> can I start again? No. <laughs> and you shouldn't have too much of it. Um, so my topic today is God decides how we worship. And uh, this is a, a great message for me to, be, to have the privilege to bring to you. It's week four out of five in our current series of uncertainty. And um, I think it's very fitting for me to, to share this because my life has been a life um, of worship from day one, um, God spoke to me through worship. Um, when I was a young man, I was a singer, okay, and I sung in bands, and uh, I just uh, couldn't help but, you know, get in the limelight and sing my heart out and put everything into it. And, uh, yeah, my, my story is one of worship because from the very first moment when I was 20 years old, um, pretty much the first thing I did was learn how to worship God. And, you know, I've found over the years that human tendency is to put rules in place. Have you, has anyone noticed that? We can't help ourselves. You know, I, uh, I remember being involved in house churches and they start off, look, we just want to be totally free to do what God calls us to. And, and they start off with good intents often and then after a little, little while they go, oh, well, maybe we need uh, a, a few songs at the start and then maybe we need this and that. And before you know it, you've got, you know, a pretty well-structured church. But my first scripture is Luke 6 verses 1 to 2. And this is a story about the Sabbath. And you might be thinking, well, what has this got to do with worship? Well, let's unwrap that a little bit. So it says, On a certain Sabbath, Jesus was walking through a field of ripe grain. His disciples were pulling off heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands to get rid of the chafe and eating them. Some Pharisees said, Why are you doing that, breaking a Sabbath rule? So you see here this, the Pharisees coming in and wanting to put rules in place. And they did that around the Sabbath in particular and around the law. They kind of expanded the law over time so it just got bigger and bigger. And you had what was written in the Word, but then you had this Pharisaic rulemaking that was going on. And see, in this example, all, it's the Sabbath. All the disciples are doing, they want a bit of food. So they come and they pick a few heads of grain and they rub it in their hands. And what the Pharisees had done was they had applied a, a law that was called you shall not reap and thresh. Reaping was the harvesting of the grain and threshing it was to get rid of the chafe. So they were counting, picking a few heads of grain and rubbing them so that you get a mouthful of food as reaping and threshing. That's how far they had gone with this rulemaking scenario. And then it says on the next slide there, but Jesus stood up for them. Have you never read what David and those with him did when they were hungry? How he entered the sanctuary and ate fresh bread off the altar, bread that no one but priests were allowed to eat. He also handed it out to his companions. Here's the punchline. Then he said, The Son of Man is no slave to the Sabbath. He's in charge. 
what was hypocritical about it all is they're telling Jesus off for his disciples doing work on the Sabbath, but they're actually doing work themselves because their job was to enforce the law. So they were kind of caught up in their own thing here. What I did next is I thought, well, let's unpack that a little bit. Let's go back to where, where the Sabbath was instigated, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It says this, No working on the Sabbath, keep it holy. So this is God speaking, God giving the law to his people. Keep it holy just as your God commanded you. Work six days doing everything you have to do, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest day. No work. And again, here comes the punchline. This is the reason for the Sabbath. You know, a lot of people think the Sabbath, it's a day to have no work. Well, that's a part of it. But that work is, that no work is for a reason. And it's this. Don't ever forget that you were slaves in Egypt and God, your God, got you out of there in a powerful show of strength. That's why God, your God, commands you to observe the day of Sabbath rest. So this whole thing around the Sabbath wasn't about doing no work. It was about remembering that he brought us out of slavery. It's about remembering that in our own strength we can't do it, but he delivered us and he brought us out. And the natural response to any thought like that is to worship. So the Sabbath was a day of worship. It was a day where they had no rest, but it was, it was more about resting and remembering that God has redeemed us and he's set us free. And the natural response to a thought like that is to come and to worship him. So I want to talk, my last scripture in this first introduction is Galatians 5 verse 1. It's an absolute cracker and I've got the version from the message. It says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. Isn't that a great verse? Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Men come and, you know, we have a tendency, humankind has a tendency to put rules around us. You know, and we, we have been set free to live a free life. Don't let anyone come with their rules around your life. Amen. If, if you take one thing away today, that would be a good thing to take away. That doesn't mean you can switch off, but, you know, keep listening and be good. But the question I have for you today is, how does God want me to worship? Okay, we're in freedom. God has taken us out of Egypt. God has set us free by his spirit. But how does he want me to worship? So I want to cover three dot points today. And the first one is that God wants me to worship with freedom. We've got a picture there. Have you got that picture up? Does anyone remember who that man is? Oh, yeah. And who does? Who doesn't? No, that's all right. You don't have to. So that's a guy called Jeff Bullock, and that is a CD cover. When I, was, when I first became a Christian, when I was uh, 20 years old, my younger brother, who had helped me and... and uh, led me to believe in the gospel and led me to church and to become a Christian and took me to that first small group and I was in Church of Christ, Frederick Street on the Sunday and I was there in the morning and night, morning and night service. That's how free I was. And um, He knew that I was a singer and he knew that I loved singing my guts out whenever I got the opportunity. So he did something very sneaky, cunning as serpent, gentle as a dove. He gave me a cassette. Anyone remember a cassette? 
Yeah. Who's got a cassette player? Yep. Oh, Ollie. Wow. The youngest person in the room with a cassette player. He gave me this cassette. And it was this, the greatest hits of Jeff Bullock. And it was, it's a great cassette. And I remember I used to put this cassette on. And I didn't have a stereo, so I'd use my older brother's. And he had a really, really good grunty stereo, a bit of a boom box, and it went really loud. And I'd put this cassette on and I would sing my heart out just on the bed in our bedroom. I'd put it on and just raise my hands and um, just have a great time. And it drove my older brother nuts, but um, I didn't care. I kept doing it. And, you know, nobody taught me how to do that. Nobody taught me how to do that. It was just a natural response to the joy that I was feeling because I had found this new life. I had found the truth. After 20-odd years of not knowing the way, suddenly I knew the way. And my natural response was to pour out my heart in worship. And the way I knew best to do that was to sing. Oops, my iPad's gone off. So anyway, there were some great songs on this album. We've got a list there. The heaven shall declare. Anyone remember that song? Holy, holy. Oh, is the Lord. Great song. Have faith in God was good as well. I'm saved was one of my favorites. It was so daggy, but so good as well, you know. I'm saved. Yes, I'm saved. S-A-V-E-D. I remember one group I was in and the... One guy had this, um, this funny, squeaky voice. And we go, I am not ashamed of the gospel of his name, for it is a power. Yes, it's a power. He used to do that. And we thought it was classic. But he was being free, so good on him. Refresh my heart. What a great song. I remember singing that song, and this refreshing touch of God would just pour over my life. And all the things on earth would fade away. The things on earth will grow faintly dim. That's what it was about for me. Shelter. Now, I don't want you to sing this one yet. I've got something. Wayne's keyed up. You'll notice I've got my little man bag of tricks here. You're probably thinking, why has he got that? I've got marshmallows. You know what that means? It's chubby bunny. No, it's not. It's karaoke time. I've, who here would like to come up and sing Shelter for us with, with the grand prize of a bag of marshmallows? And you can bring a couple of you if you want to do it together. Anybody here? Yeah, I thought this would happen. <laughs> Nobody? Nobody? Tony? Oh, up the back there. Come on, I'll come to you. Yeah, here we go. Come on down. <laughs> Who is it? Leah. Hi, Leah. Do you? Can I'll sing it with you? You ready? Here we go. Give me shelter. Give me peace. Give me comfort, healing, release. Peace, the comfort of the knowledge of God in my heart. Oh, not bad, is that? Do you reckon that's a... Hey, there we go. And no matter what life may bring, peace in my heart just makes me sing, you my God. 
That's not very good. I can't hear you. Prince of peace, you my God. Great song. You know those, sometimes you, you do a song to death. Yeah, I want that one. Power of your love. Great song. Blessing and honor. The great Southland. And here I am was a song that I did for um, when I got baptized. Craig Spalding baptized me at Church of Christ, Frederick Street. And I remember just singing my arms. I'm up in front of everybody and just right into it. And I opened my eyes and I realized he was looking at me going. And I think he said, wow, I've never seen somebody that, you know, sing that song with so much gusto. Singing might not be your thing. I've had friends, their, their natural response to God and to worshipping God is when they're out in, in the environment. And they might be looking at, let's say, a sun-drenched beach or a bald spot. Sun-drenched beach there. That might be your thing, you know. You might, you might just feel a response to God when you're out and about in nature or maybe a rainforest with moss all over it. Thank you to Tony for these slides. I stole them from her. Or maybe an, an open plain with a sun in the background. Isn't that beautiful? You know, some people, their, their thing is when they're out in nature and your 20 minutes in the chair might actually be an hour out in the open. You know, I've, I had a friend who, who, came, who, who became a Christian when he was out in the bush and he was looking at a leaf and marvelling at how amazing and intricate it was. But that was his honest response in worship to God. He mightn't have been the best. Actually, he wasn't a very good singer. I've heard him a couple of times. But when he got out in, in, in nature, that's where he found his freedom. And it might be staring at the sun, at the sky, sorry. Nice blue sky there. That's, that's, that reminds you of God, doesn't it? Or maybe, you know, the stars at night. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made. You know, that might be the thing that does it for you. But, you know, freedom is about being you, not about being me. Singing mightn't be your thing. You know, but I encourage you to find your freedom. Find the thing that works for you, where you respond to your God in worship. You know, pondering what he's done for you. Pondering the fact that without him, we are wretched. You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And the natural response to that grateful feeling is to, is to worship him, whatever that may look like. You might not be a Jeff Bullock fan. Or you might be like, you might enjoy, you know, ribbon dancing. There we go. It's a guy ribbon dancing. You know, that might be your thing. I've seen it all over the years. I've seen flags. I've seen ribbons. I've seen a lady dressed up as a bride. I've seen, you know, uh, dancing, the Pentecostal two-step. <laughs> I spent some time in um, East Africa in Kenya, and they did this thing where they sung for hours, and they did the did this dance, it goes like this. It's backwards and forwards. It's actually a lot of fun. Why don't you get up and have a go at that? Oh, Wayne's got it. That's enough. All right, he's getting carried away. We sung this song. Great song. It means decorate Jesus. Great song. And we just sing that for an hour, two hours. 
A lot of freedom, though. So number, point number one is freely. But find your freedom. Don't copy my freedom. Don't copy the person next to you. Think about what freedom looks like for you when you are being yourself before God. What does that look like? Number two is God wants us to worship with honesty. He wants an honest heart of worship. So scripture in John chapter 4. This is again from the message. John 4, 23 to 24. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is she being itself. Spirit, those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. I've got a, uh, another little thing in my bag of tricks here. Don't worry, it's not chocolates or lollies. It's a book. And in this book, there's a little story that was written by me and Ebony. Oh, you can do it. It's all right. We were playing one day with uh, little farm animals and we decided we'd write it. We'd, we started writing a little story and it goes like this. It's called Fun at the Farm by Ebony and Royce Aldred. One day, Pig said to Horse, let's go roll in the mud. Horse said, I don't like rolling in mud. I like running in grass. Cow came over to see what was going on. Pig asked cow to roll in the mud. Horse asked cow to run in the grass. Cow said, I don't like rolling in mud or running in grass. I like nibbling on shrubs. Oh, dear. There's, there's got to be an idea in a kid's book. Oh, dear. They had a problem. What are we going to do, they said. Bunny overheard. Come with me, said Bunny. So they followed. I've got some cool pictures in here that Ebony drew. Bunny took them to a field which had mud for pig, grass for horse and shrubs for cow. So they stayed Pig rolled in the mud, horse ran in the grass, cow nibbled on the shrubs. They all had a fun time. If you know any good publishers, let me know, it'd be good. <coughs> Pig noticed that Bunny had nothing to do. What are you going to do to have fun, Bunny? Pig asked. I'm having fun already, said Bunny, watching all of you. So they all had fun together and went home very tired. The end. <laughs> you embarrassed? Get used to that. <laughs> Good girl. They were being themselves. They were being honest. God wants us to be honest. God wants our worship. God has given each of us a personality. There's none of us that are the same. And I believe God wants what you've got in worship. I believe God wants what Andrew Fair brings to worship. I believe God wants what I bring to worship, what Ben Fair brings to worship. And it's 
going to be slightly different because we are slightly different people. See, Andrew, it might be a, a big dance. Yeah, he's into that. It might be twirling. I've seen twirling as well. But that's what God wants, our honest selves. Luke 18, verses 9 to 12. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax man. So the Pharisees were the guys that set the law and the tax man was the bad guy, all right? The Pharisee posed and prayed like this, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid like this tax man. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give me mercy, forgive me, a sinner. Jesus commented, this tax man, not the other, went home made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you'll become more than yourself. There's a great lesson in that. You know, one of the things that we also tend to do is as, as we grow in our faith and we get into the Word and, and we start to iron out our lives, a little thing creeps in and it's called self-righteousness. And it's a really important thing to, to just to be on top of. See, this tax collector knew he was a sinner, knew he was a bad man, and he, he came to God humbly. He came to God humbly, knowing that God is awesome and he is, is so holy and righteous. And, you know, once you get a, the, the impression of how holy and righteous God is, it just humbles you. And then you can come and bring your worship it's an important thing to remember that God wants us to be humble. The third dot point is God wants us to worship from the heart. From the heart. There should be a connection between what you, your heart and your worship, whether it's singing songs. And, you know, we, we do this every week. We come and we sing songs. So even if singing isn't your thing, I'd encourage you to give it a go. Because there's an opportunity every week for us to do that. But there needs to be a connection between the words we sing and what we believe in our hearts. That we ponder the words and we, we, we you know, look into the words and we un try and understand the words. What do they mean to me? And let those words get into the heart so you can worship out of that. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. This is when... Samuel the prophet is coming and God said, I want you to anoint me a king. And he goes to Jesse and he, he's choosing a king from the sons of Jesse and there's 12 of them. And he sees the first son and he's big and he's rugged and he's handsome and he's king-like. And Samuel goes, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And God responds like this, looks on everything. That's a great verse for someone like me. Hey, that's not funny. <laughs> Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. Here's the punchline again. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. It's, we have a tendency to look on the outside and see what's on the outside. But God looks at the heart. I remember when I was a young guy, I made the mistake of judging someone on the outside 
we were having some songs and this person was, was sort of not doing much, just, you know, not really singing very much. And I said afterwards, oh, you, you didn't really get into that very much. And he said, I was trying. And I had judged that, that man of what I saw. But what God saw was very different to what I saw. He probably saw someone who was dancing and twirling in response to his heart because he knew he was doing a hard thing. He wasn't a naturally exuberant guy like some of us are. He was a guy who was struggling to find his way and, and trying to do his best and to bring his best. Like the little drummer boy, you know, he didn't have much, but he had a drum and I can play it for you. And in the, in the song, Jesus says, come, play your drum for me. You know, God might be saying that to you. You might find it hard when we're doing the songs on a Sunday. But don't worry about what is on the outside. Just ponder your heart and give it your best. Just give it your best because God sees that and God loves that and he appreciates that. Here's another story, just wrapping, these, wrapping this up. I've got a couple more little things I want to share Luke 7, um, verse 40 to 47. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said to him, so I've set the scene here. They're in someone's house and this woman comes in and she's a known prostitute. And she comes in and, and uh, the, the Pharisees are there and, and she comes and she um, pours perfume on Jesus' feet and cries and wipes his feet with her tears and, and basically comes in in this scene. And, and the, the Pharisees go, you know, if he knew who this girl was, he wouldn't even let, them, let her touch him. You know, she's, she's worthless. She's not worth anything. And in response, Jesus said this, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the banker cancelled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who has forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears down on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. You know what? There's nobody in this room who hasn't been forgiven much. We've all been forgiven much. If I was to play um, somebody's life on the screen here, in all its detail... Who would want that? Not me. I wouldn't want my life up there. It's important for us when we're worshipping God and we're, we're trying to, to bring our, our whole self, it's important for us to remember from where we came. And if you, if, I think that's a great way to find your heart because in this, in this story, again, the Pharisees were looking on the outside. They were looking at this lady who they knew and they knew her life and they were judging her based on what they saw. But Jesus saw the heart. 
he saw a heart that, yeah, it had been given many times to many men for, for money. It had been trampled on. It had been broken. But he saw a heart that was full of forgiveness. He saw a heart that had been transformed by Jesus. He saw something happened on the inside of this woman that the people in that room didn't see, and that's a changed heart. And he acknowledged that. The same can be true for us. Let our heart be changed and restored. And out of that heart of gratitude, out of that heart of humility, we can bring our worship, whatever that looks like, whatever medium that happens to be. We can do that. In finishing, Matthew 15, verse 8 to 9. Again from the message, says, These people make a big show of saying the right thing. Again, he's talking about the legalistic Pharisees of the time. But their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshipping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. So as we, as we come into a time of communion, I just want to ponder those three things. That God wants us to worship in freedom. He wants us to worship with honesty. He wants us to worship from the heart. You know, communion is a time for us to remember what God achieved for us on the cross. That even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. We still don't deserve it. Daily I don't deserve his grace, but he gives it to me anyway. So as we come and take communion, I want you just to think about what God has done for you and who God is to you in your life. And you might be here and you haven't been to church much before. I encourage you to do the same. You mightn't be ready to, to take the bit of biscuit and the juice that we take, and that's fine, just pass it on to the next person. But I encourage you to take this time, take this moment, to think about what God might mean to you and what the next step for you might be. And if you want to talk about that, feel free to come up to the front at the end and find one of us or one of the guys on the team here, and we'll be happy to talk to you about it. But as we come and we take this biscuit and this juice, let's remember what it's all about. It's all about him. It's all about you, Jesus. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we can come and we can freely worship you because of what you achieved on the cross. Because you laid down your life that we could live a full and a whole life. And we could respond by bringing our lives freely to you in worship. Father, we are eternally grateful and we, we just thank you so much that you died for us so that we might live in Jesus' name. Amen.